0: Hey there! Welcome to episode two of Sample Excavator. I'm your host, Angela Robledo, a sample archaeologist digging through sample and production history to piece together the stories behind the world's biggest records. This week, we're actually not talking about samples in the purest definition of the word, because a majority of the songs we'll be discussing this week are from before the sample era. That is, before the Fairlight CMI or Akai MPC were invented. Regardless, these songs are undoubtedly sonically connected. We will actually be discussing some rock records today as we discuss what Andy Herman of LA Weekly calls quote-unquote the riff. The riff is a chord progression that became extremely popular between the fall of 1968 and the spring of 1970. In just that short time period, five bands across four production studios in three countries all used the same riff to build their songs. The riff itself is very simple, just five descending chords, but it somehow became an enduring riff in rock. Information on small records, such as songwriting, credits, and original release dates, can be hard to come by, so this episode has taken a bit more crate-digging than usual, but hopefully I will be able to provide a deeper dive into the history of the riff than has ever been done before. For now, we are going to start in the summer of 1968. The Beatles have stopped playing live shows and were working on their revolutionary White album after a spiritual trip to India. Despite tension between the band regarding Yoko Ono, George Harrison reveals a song he was working on, entitled While My Guitar Gently Weeps. On July 1, 1968, he records the first demo track acoustically at EMI Studios, later renamed Abbey Road Studios in 1970 after the Beatles' 1969 record of the same name made it world-famous. I see it needs sweeping Still my guitar gently weeps I like this demo track for two reasons. First off, it puts the riff front and center in the beginning. Second, it gives a hard date for the first recording of the riff. The final version for the album is recorded on September 6th with guitar overdubs by friend of the band and legendary guitarist in his own right, Eric Clapton. In this version, the riff takes a bit of a backseat, but it's definitely still there. The album is released to the world in November 1968. Buckle in, folks, because this is where it gets messy. In July 1968, precisely when George Harrison is showing the Beatles his song, guitarist Jimmy Page shows singer Robert Plant an arrangement of what he considered to be a folk song in order to recruit Plant to his band, the New Yardbirds. Jimmy Page was part of the original Yardbirds during the mid-to-late 60s with Eric Clapton. Yeah, remember him from the Beatles song? Like I said, messy. The new Yardbirds record their version of this folk song in October of 1968 in London at Atlantic Studios, mere weeks after the Beatles finished the final version of their song, just across the town from EMI Records where the Beatles recorded it. Shortly after, the New Yardbirds decide to change their name to Led Zeppelin and released Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You on their debut self-titled album on January 12, 1969. The rhythm changed to eighth notes, but the chord progression is still there. Okay, so we are going to need a quick sidebar about the song, Babe, I'm Going to Leave You. Remember how I said Jimmy Page thought it was a folk song? Well, he was actually wrong. The reason he thought it was a folk song was because he was inspired by the Joan Baez version of the song released in 1962 that lists the songwriter as quote-unquote traditional. Joan Baez was actually mistaken, as she heard it herself from Janet Smith, who performed it at Oberlin College in Ohio around 1961. Janet Smith didn't write it either, however. Janet Smith heard it from a Berkeley grad student named Ann Breeden, also known as Ann Johansson who performed her original song on a live folk music radio station at UC Berkeley, but never recorded it in 1959. It wouldn't be until the 90s that she receives proper songwriting credits on all of these covers, especially the Led Zeppelin one, which is by far the most popular. As you heard, the Joan Baez version doesn't have the riff, So it must have been something added by Jimmy Page for his version. Or was it? Between the release of the Baez and Zeppelin versions, a few other bands covered the song, including The Association, who recorded and released it as a single under Jubilee Records in Pasadena, California in the fall of 1965. Take a listen and see, or hear, if you hear what I hear. babe i'm gonna leave you well you know i'm gonna leave you leave you when the summer comes summer comes around and leave you when the summer comes Unless I am hearing things, that has a lot of similarities to the riff. Despite Jimmy Page maintaining his inspiration was the Baez cover, there is a possibility that he, or George Harrison, heard the Association's version floating around. Obviously, the riffs are a bit different, but definitely similar, and definitely curious considering it's on a different cover version of the same song. Personally, I'm going to call this the proto-riff. Any similar, and I'd have to put it before George Harrison in the chronology. But wait, while we're at the discussion of 1965 and proto-riffs, there's a song that may also contend for the introduction of the riff in pop music. Nina Simone's cover, yes, you heard that right, cover of Feeling Good. Let's take a listen.
1: And I'm feeling good Fish in the sea You know how I feel the running free, you know how I feel Blossom on the tree, you know how I feel It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new
0: This is definitely a use of a similar, if not identical, chord progression, just done in a more bluesy style than as a rock riff. Next time you hear someone call hip-hop producers unartistic, unoriginal, or not a musician for using samples, remind them of this prevalent theme throughout mainstream rock of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, the borrowing or even outright theft from black blues artists. Okay, that's enough sidetracking into Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. Let's keep going with the actual riff. Sometime between January and March 1969, Belgian band Wallace Collection recorded their debut album Laughing Cavalier, which included this track called Daydream, which actually harkens back closer to Nina Simone than The Beatles or Let's Up. Undoubtedly the riff, but it gets crazier. Daydream was recorded and produced at, wait for it, EMI Studios, exactly where the Beatles recorded While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Huge shout out to my friend Mika for showing me the song and pointing out its relevance to the discussion of the riff. Daydream never really made it big in the UK, but has since enjoyed some covers and some uses in soundtracks. We are going to jump back across the pond, where the band Chicago writes and records their song 25 or 6 to 4 for their second album titled Chicago, in August of 1969. The album is released in January of 1970, and the song is later released as a single in June of the same year, where it climbs the charts to be one of the band's biggest hits. The eighth note variant of the riff from Led Zeppelin is impossible to miss. Okay, we are nearing the end, The Chronicle of the Riff. Between March and June of 1970, a band in New Zealand called The Human Instinct recorded and released a song called Black Sally for their album Stoned Guitar. Again, an unmistakable use of the riff. Black Sally is actually a cover, and the original was written and recorded by a band called Mecca in Sydney, Australia, in March of 1970. Sadly, I have not been able to find any recording of this original version, and have no idea if it too includes the riff, or if Mecca just wrote the lyrics and the human instinct added the riff in their version. If anyone has this incredibly deep cut, please let me know. As far as I have been able to find... After Black Sally, the riff largely drifts away. That is, until 1995, when punk rock band Green Day recorded and released their song Brain Stew on their album Insomniac. I'm having trouble trying to sleep. As far as I know, this is the last major use of the riff since Black Sally. Feel free, however, to prove me wrong and shoot me an email or DM if you know of any other uses. Nine, six, bye. Still I try. No rest for in my mind. On my own, here we go. Okay, so to recap, two 1965 covers of two different songs contain the beginnings of a riff that was used by the Beatles on the White Album. Led Zeppelin covers the cover for their debut album. A Belgian band records in the same studio as the Beatles and creates their version of the riff. An American brass rock band uses it for their breakout hit. A New Zealand band flips it for their cover of an Australian song. And finally, a punk band uses it for their song about insomnia. Taking out Green Day as an outlier, And we have five songs across four studios and three countries within two years that use one riff. Five, four, three, two, one. Kind of fitting for a riff with five notes. Well, that's it for this episode of Sample Excavator. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at idigitfirst, that's I-D-I-G-1-S-T, all one word, on both platforms. And you can find the podcast at Sample Excavator on both platforms as well. Sample Excavator is now on Patreon, so if you want to help out with the cost of making these episodes, you can do so for as little as 25 cents an episode. I'm doing everything above board here at Sample Excavator, which means going through the proper channels to use the songs mentioned in the show legally, which can get pretty expensive, as you can imagine. 25 cents an episode, or more if you are so inclined, from you all would actually go a long way in helping the podcast continue. I have a lot of fun making these episodes, and if you are enjoying them as well, please rate, comment, and subscribe on your preferred podcast streaming service. Sample Excavator is researched and written by myself and produced by Guy Tannenbaum. The theme song was written and produced by David Ramos. You can email questions, suggestions, comments, and concerns to thesampleexcavator at gmail.com. Songs from today's episode can be found on nearly all major streaming platforms, and links to the articles referenced can be found in the show notes. Okay. As a reward for listening through the end of the credits, here's a sneak peek at one of the songs we'll be discussing next episode. See you then, and keep on digging.
1: It's NFL Draft Season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.